Welcome to the The Emblem Support Podcast. I'm the Master Tactician Ordo, and he's the Schemer Cardwiz. Build an army, trust no one, except for us. This is the Emblem Support Podcast. And my good friend Ordo, there's something about you that's just something different. I can't... You, it's almost like you have a smile that doesn't reach your eyes. I can't quite figure you out. Hmm. I wonder why that is. Could I be hiding something? Maybe my identity? Maybe who I really am? Maybe even my real name? Maybe I'm not Ordo. I guess we're going to have to play through about 200 hours of a game, read through and reread a bunch of support conversations, try to decipher a story, try to find all the hidden nooks and crannies that are hidden within this world, and maybe we'll be able to put together a full picture of who this person is. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. At long last, we're going to be talking about Foldland's favorite son, or Almara's favorite son, I should say, as we dive into the character of Claude. Yes, Claude has, of the three houses, he is the most interesting one, because while we have Edelgard with Crimson Flower, and as we saw with uh, Dimitri and the Azure Moon, we have two characters that are, these two main characters that are centered around their own personal conflict within themselves and against each other and tr basically forcing these conflicts with each other. Meanwhile, with Claude, he doesn't have those same motivations. He doesn't have that obvious, oh, I have this childhood trauma that causes me to go in this direction. With Claude, his motivations are not that obvious on the surface. You have to dig a whole lot more to get at the core of his character, which is why I'm excited to do this podcast, and hopefully by the end we'll have some sort of idea, uh, or at least have some theories about this character. Yeah, this one's been a long time coming, and we had to do a lot of research into this character, as this is our first time of us just kind of like narrowing down a single character focus, so it's something new, it's something exciting, I think. But it has been a little while. I mean, I dropped a solo last month, but we haven't heard your wonderful voice since uh, roughly February, I want to say. Uh, yeah, sadly, life gets in the way, coronaviruses get in the way, and I'm, I'd be lying if Persona 5 Royal didn't get in the way. <laughs> I've put way too much time in that game already, and I love it. Yeah, I personally have been super busy. I'm one of those nice people that you would call an essential worker. So I have been super tired, and I've not had any motivation to uh, to really do anything during this time. Your hard work is very much appreciated. I thank you. I thank you a lot. But I can't. I can't completely uh, take all the all the credit, as there's you know there's tons of people in other various industries and whatnot that are also you know that blanket term essential worker, postal workers, grocery store workers. Uh, it's just, it's so wild what's happening in the world right now. For now, let's try to leave that world behind and go to the land of Folden and try to find some sort of escapism. And so we're going to take a look at Claude today. Claude voiced by the American English, in the American version, he's voiced by Joe Zieha. I believe that's how you pronounce his name, maybe. And I think he does an outstanding job, not only in his portrayal of Claude in the game, but just outside of it on Twitter and on Twitch, like just showing his love and support of Fire Emblem and of the character Claude in particular. I've even seen that he's apparently been cosplaying as Claude at, at conventions now. Yeah, for the final part of his uh, stream on the Golden Deer Path, 
he was, I think, I think the quote for him was, is that currently I am dressed, I am the voice actor of Claude, I am dressed as Claude, and I'm fixing to marry Claude, and you can't get any more meta than that. I love seeing this sort of thing, just, just in video games, when one of the people involved in it just gets so in and love a character so much, just go all in with it, and Josie Aha absolutely does that, he's been such a fantastic presence on Twitter. Yeah, this is this was a little sidebar um, on Awesome Games Done Quick, where they finished the Golden Deer route in like an hour and forty five minutes. He was actually there doing. Uh, I don't know if he was there physically. Uh, it's been a while, but uh, he was there actually doing commentary for that for like the first. I want to say thirty minutes to an hour. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he's just he's he's very dedicated to this, and it's it's very warm, and it's 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 very nice. I believe. And I'm pulling this out of the top of my head is I believe he said this. I believe he actually read for Dimitri first. And you know, I just I can't see him as Dimitri. I, I can't see that at all. But you, he might be a, I'm sure he's a good enough voice actor to pull that off, but man, I can't see him as anything besides Claude. Like he he is, he embodies the character so well. Yeah. And if you're interested in like looking up his YouTube channel, he even does like little he does even he does like stunt work stuff too. Like him and a buddy, and I know this is kind of a weird sidebar because we're talking about Claude, but he even shows, um, he does some of the three houses like stunts and stuff. So you know how if, <laughs> so you know how if Dimitri's attacked, but he dodges, he'll plant his spear in the ground and like kind of jump off of it or jump to the side or whatever. He does that. Like him and a buddy are doing that stuff. <laughs> it's not, a, I, we're not endorsed by anybody, but he's a fun follow. But that is Claude sort of, in the real world, but how do we encounter this character in the game three houses? We first meet him. What, as we've talked about before, we get attacked by bandits because that's how all Japanese games must begin. He, we get attacked by bandits and we meet Claude, Edelgard and Dimitri. And one of the first things that we learn about Claude is a voice in our head. Not it. It is our own voice this time, not the goddess. It is just that sort of little voice in the head that says his smile doesn't reach his eyes. Claude from the beginning, he is someone who is constantly seems to hide all of his motivations. And it's not from the very first time we meet him through basically the entire game, especially that first section of the game, especially chapter one in part one, we never really get a feel of who Claude is what are you doing? What are you doing? What? Why are you so fascinated with Byleth? Why are you so fascinated with what's going on in the library? Why, why are you folks so fascinated with the sort of the creator and Thunderbrand? What? What is your deal, Claude? And not only that, you know, this is brought up with Lorinda's support and a little bit, I believe, with Balthus's C support. That the fact is that he's only just now become. Uh, he was only just now discovered, basically a month before he entered the Officers' Academy as the heir to uh, House Reagan. Because he shows up and is basically like, yes, I have the crest of Reagan. I am the rightful heir. Yes, House Reagan is basically falling apart. The Duke, who's in charge of the Alliance, it seems like that part of the Alliance is falling apart. And Lawrence's house, House Gloucester, is probably going to end up taking over as the head of the Alliance. And all of a sudden, a year before Three Houses started, out of nowhere, this kid just comes out of nowhere and says, like, yeah, I, I have the crest of Regland where I'm good. 
I'm in charge now. I've got this. And unfortunately, that that earns him a lot of ire. Obviously, we see a lot of this from House Gloucester and Lorenz, especially if you're on other paths where, uh, it, where during the time skip, you know, House Gloucester is like, nah, we're siding with the Empire. You know, screw House Regan. Claude has appeared out of nowhere. No one really knows where this guy came from. But through conversations with other people, we sort of learn more and more about his history. You get more hints about where he came from. Hint, it's not Fodlan. It's fascinating to just to see what this character... Why are you here, dude? You are obviously planning something. What are you planning? You aren't just here to be the head of the alliance that who came out of nowhere just to be this saving member of this family. What's your deal? That's the question that's basically being asked about Claude throughout almost the entire game. And even in the story of, of three houses in the verdant wind branch, we don't get super duper clear answers. We get his idea of what his grand quote scheme is of uniting trying to unite everyone together, both Almyron and Fulden sort of together and breaking down all of the barriers, breaking down all the walls. But we never get that one moment where Claude is saying, here is who I am, and this is why I am doing this. Here is why I have worked with you, Byleth. Here's why I wanted to work with you every step of the way. Here's why I wanted to work with the church every step of the way. We never get that one light bulb going off I I am going to provide all the exposition. Everything with Claude is sort of hinted at, and there's a lot of guesswork involved with him. And most of that stuff comes into fruition in many of his uh, A supports with other characters, including I want to say Leone, Shamir, Petra. Uh, I want to say almost everybody, even Lorenz, even his A support with Lorenz has a little bit of uh, hints in that. Yes, yeah, so we can talk more about getting into the talks about the supports later, but in the story of Claude in the role of three houses, part one is just this mystery of like, of seeing Claude in the library, seeing Claude wanting to figure out not whether what, whether he can like wield the sort of creator, but he seems more fascinated with it than the other Lords. It seems like he is constantly trying to figure out all of the pieces on the board. And he's not above using schemes to get his way either, as he makes a colorless, odorless potion. I'm sorry, poison, <laughs> that he intends to use uh, sometime. <laughs> yeah, he's, don't worry, it's not going to kill someone. He's, he just sort of says, just like, yeah, I, he he's constantly scheming. That's the thing. That's the thing they keep telling us about Claude, and we keep kind of seeing hints of schemes, but we never see them truly come to fruition and that's a little bit scary i think it's kind of hinted at in that same support with byleth that byleth kind of reins him in a little bit yes with with byleth that's the important part of the byleth character byleth keeps the lords in check whichever house he sides with he or she slides with it keeps edelgard from delving completely into kill everyone rage face it prevents dimitri from just full on becoming depressed and brings him back from the brink of darkness. Almost with Byleth with Claude, it almost seems like I want to say Claude almost uses Byleth more than the other two. 
it, it seems like Byleth helps the other two in, in a more personal sense. Claude works and uses Byleth to a degree to to achieve his goal of uniting. Like Byleth is that last puzzle place puzzle piece that he needs to get his plans in place that he doesn't have in the other routes, and that's why he can't succeed in the other routes. He needs that puzzle piece of Byleth. With Claude, Byleth is that piece on the chessboard. And I, I do kind of like that, how that works out. Because Claude is still the main character, is his own character. Even in the other routes, he's still trying to achieve all of his goals. He just kn- knows that he can't quite do it as easily without Byleth. I want to say that Claude even says as such, I believe in the female S support with Byleth, though, you know, it's like, I wanted to just use you at first, but then I began to fall for you. I believe, I could be paraphrasing that, but I believe that's, you know, the general gist of Claude. And I like how he's so, much like, much like he himself, he's kind of separated from this main conflict of the Empire and the Kingdom. Even within his own people, He's sort of a separate entity. Mm-hmm. We get a really good look of that in one of the supports. We can. We, if you, do you want to start talking about supports now? Because it feels like we're just bouncing around them. <laughs> yeah, sure. Because I mean, that, I, the supports more than like Edelgard or Dimitri's is where Claude comes to life. And this is the Emblem Support Podcast, so we got to talk about those supports. Yeah. Talking about the story, we we do learn a bit about him, but. Dear Lord, the meat of what I really love about Claude comes from his supports. What what would you say is like the first support that you want? I can go down through all of these. I want to hear what you one of your favorite supports that you want to talk about with Claude. Well, I'm a little biased because I like Petra, but I like how basically it just starts about them like just learning how to climb this tree, but then they evolve that and start talking about their homelands and whatnot because Bridget's kind of far off from the Empire, and Almire is, of course, on the other side of uh, Fodland. So it's interesting that they're like, well, you can make them become a couple uh, with their A support. But it's very interesting, and it's very um, heartwarming, I think, to hear them talk about their different belief systems and whatnot. Because Claude doesn't believe in the gods of Fodland, and this is also seen in a couple of his other supports where he's seen thanking the land and stuff like that where he believes, like, the goddess is good for spiritual support, but they're better off, you know, praising the land and stuff. I I enjoy his support with Petra. Like, it's very similar to another support with Shamir, but the one with Shamir is not nearly as personal, and I like the personal supports more because I like characters. I I love the moments in the trees, talking about that with... Petra and talking about how we first get the hints from her. They're like, Oh, you're even from Petra who is not from Fodland. She can still look at Claude and say, Oh, you're a little bit different from all of the other nobles around here. Even she's able to point that out as an outsider. She, she can see her fellow outsider in a sense, even though she like doesn't like talk about it or pinpoint exactly why, but she does see it. Another one that I thought was kind of just funny was his support with Ignatz, where he was just like, Ignatz, you're, you kind of have a thing for God. It's a really nice little, it's just a solid little support. It's, like, we, it's more about Ignatz than Claude, but then in the B support, we get to one moment. I don't I don't know if this is inten- how in, this was intended by the writers, 
but a delivery by by Joe really talks about how when Ignatz is talking about possibly meeting the godness, Claude suddenly takes this like has a serious tone to his voice and he's like, You let me know when this happens. Like as though he as though this is like a thing that like, yes, Ignatz is going to one day meet the goddess. Claude sort of says this very seriously. If this happens, you tell me. I need to be in on this. It, not not in a jokey manner, but in a weirdly serious manner. Because would Claude try to use the goddess as another one of his chess pieces? I I don't know. I just it's just a little thing that seems so weird, but I love the delivery of the line because it adds a whole new layer onto what he what this is what he means by it. And he follows it up by saying like, oh, because I'll be able to sort of casually talk with the goddess over tea. I can handle that sort of thing. You'll 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 panic a little bit, Ignatz. Yeah, you know me. I'm Claude. You know, I just casually chat with God over tea. Why not? And the thing is, you believe him. Yeah. There's there's something interesting, though, because uh, if Byleth is female, uh, he'll ask Ignatz, you know, who do you think is lovelier, the goddess or our own teach? <laughs> Typically, I don't think there's any, like, actual, like, major... Well, there's probably a few, I guess, quote-unquote, canon pairings. But I would say Claude and female Byleth probably seems the most, quote-unquote, canon. Yes, that is absolutely very logical. If I had to go for, like, the the other most logical sort of romantic pairings for Claude, I think Hilda really fits in with him. Oh, yeah. I mean, he tells her in the sea support, oh, you can grasp... He tells her in the sea support, oh, you can grasp me by the hand, the face, the neck. I'll let you grasp me anywhere. Not only does, is their support really good, I'll get into that later, but one of the most heart-wrenching moments of the entire game, the one of the moments that sticks out the most for me is in the Crimson Flower route. I just completed this. The Crimson Flower route where uh, the Black Eagle uh, Strike Squad, or whatever that was called, that totally lame name. Dang it, Edelgard, you nerd. Listen, listen, Edelgard stayed up all night. Uh, she is she is a dork who just evolves into an evil Digimon at some point. But in, in the battle at the port where you're fighting against the Alliance forces, you, you're fighting... A, a lot of the Alliance characters, including Hilda. You end up fighting Hilda, you end up killing Hilda. And just Claude has this moment of like, in one of the best delivered lines, I don't have the exact line in front of me, I should have looked that up, just him talking about, no, Hilda, you were supposed to run. I had planned for you to run. I expected you to run. Why didn't you run? That's pretty much it. I believe he says something closer along the lines of, you know, I had calculated for everything, but I never calculated for this. It's such a heart-wrenching moment, and man, the Crimson Flower route. There are so many problems with that, but that's that's one of the best moments of the game. That moment is the, the one of the be- biggest reasons of, like, yes, you are killing your classmates after this five-year gap. We never get enough moments like that, and I think that is one of the best moments in the entire game because of it. Yeah, and also relating to sort of the Hilda thing and the other routes, um, she always comes up, she's like, you know, I have to do it for my my dear old Claude. She she could just say she could have just said you know eh, I'm doing it for Claude, but she had to put I'm doing it for my Claude. And I think they ha- I think their relationship is also sort of different from a number one and number two perspective, where it's just like well 
Hubert's been here with Edelgard the entire time, so obviously they have a relationship, and, you know, Dudu and Dimitri, they're close as well. Mm-hmm. And, but for Hilda and Claude, they would have had to have met only just recently, yet they seem to be just, like, drawn to each other no matter what. And you know that Hilda's lazy and won't, doesn't really like to do things for other people, but she'll always stick her neck out there for Claude. It's one of the things I like about the Verdant Wind route and Claude in particular. It, in Azure Moon, everyone still treats Dimitri as, treat him as the prince, treat him as the king. In Crimson Flower, everyone treats Edgard, you are the empress, we will treat you as the empress a lot. Golden Deer, everyone's just like, eh, Claude's Claude. He's just one of, he's just one of the guys. And I, I, I like that about him, and Claude likes that about him. He wants to be viewed in that way. He wants to be a guy who's just like, oh, yeah, I'll volunteer. I'll help Raphael. I volunteer to help carry all of this heavy stuff around because you got 20,000 things you shouldn't have gotten. I volunteer to work in the kitchen to wash some of the dishes, even though I'm not good at it. He wants to be viewed that way because it's not, it's not just a strategic thing. I think that's just a general belief he has. Well, that's and that kind of that also ties into his greater goal of kind of eliminating like status quos and stuff because it's just like it doesn't matter that I'm a nobleman; I can still do dishes like anyone else. It doesn't matter that this person's a common person; I can do the I can do the dishes. I'm sorry, I can uh, carry these heavy crates around because that's just the kind of that's just the kind of person that Claude is, and a lot of that comes from you know him and him being heavily discriminated against. We see in Crimson Flower and we see in Azure Moon, like all of this talk about crests and stuff like that. And we even in, in Verdant Wind, we get that hint of, oh, yeah, Claude has the crest, so he's in charge. But outside of that, it's never really addressed. The, like crest culture is not something that Claude really uh, touches upon, except for like who cares and wanting to break down barriers again, as you say. Yeah, like like I was just saying, though, yeah, because it. Because where he comes from, it's just like there are no real like barriers for that. There's the animosity between Almira and uh, the Alliance, but other than that, like all that's based on. Well, I don't think they ever say what it's really based on, but none of that's actually based on crest politics. We can sort of look at Claude's parents to sort of see where Claude gets this. We don't really know much about Claude's parents. But one one of the few things we get, we get one story that I really liked in his be support with Hilda, where he talks about uh, one time how he talks about how his father used to tie him to a horse and drag him around and that it's not as bad as that sounds. And he talks about how his mother was a warrior goddess or a demon queen and how, how she, with her fists, beat up his, his uh, fighting instructor. Which... This would be Nadir, or Nader. I can't remember how. They don't say his name, but... Not in this conversation. Yeah, they don't say his name, but you can kind of piece together once they start saying, he's the immortal immortal soldier who's never lost a battle, and then later on you learn that Nader is this immortal... uh, I'm sorry, unbeatable soldier that's never lost battle, so you kind of have to piece that one together yourself. Mm -hmm. But, like... Claude's parents were people, his mother was someone who just threw away the alliance, threw away probably, possibly sort of helping to run the alliance to just run away to Almyra, another country with the man she loved. That, that, those are his parents. That is who Claude takes after. He will just do whatever because that is what he believes is right. 
And his mother, you know, once they actually had him, Claude himself was heavily discriminated upon, you know, because of where he came from. And he was discriminated upon because he had, quote, Fodlin blood. And so because of that, you know, he was never quite accepted by the people, which is unfortunate. So when he came here to Fodland, he thought, you know, hey, this is a, a brand new chance for me. But as soon as he got there, he was also resented again because of the crest politics. Oh, this guy just shows up and he has the crest of Reagan. Who is this guy? Yeah. And it's possible, like when he came to this new place, he one thing that he he decided that he needed to do, he decided he needed to change his name. <laughs> In the DLC of the Cinder Chow's DLC, in a conversation that you can have with uh, Balthus, you can hear him talking about like, huh, Claude, that's a common name in the in Fodlin. Almost as like sort of almost accusing Claude of just like, hmm, is that a fake name you got there? Yeah. Well, even even before, uh, I believe at the very start of Cinder, the Cinder Shadows DLC, he's like, eh, Claude may not even be my real name. People are like, wait, what? And then it never gets touched upon again. Unless it's outside in just a random interview, which happened a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, there was an interview with the directors of, of Nintendo Dream, and it was revealed that his name is Khaled. Which, uh, someone actually pieced this together, uh, one of my followers on Twitter, is like, well, his name is Khaled, and it means immortal in Arabic. And his personal battalion is called the Immortal Corpse. <laughs> I'm sorry, Core, not Corpse. <laughs> and the immortal corpse could be scary in their own right but claude does mention that you know there was even attempts on his life made just because of who he was with claude sort of being from Amira and wanting to hide all this one of the things that he doesn't want he doesn't really want this to come out if it comes out he wants it to be on his terms he doesn't want someone saying it which leads us to one of my sort of favorite support conversations that I wasn't expecting to be one of my favorites between Claude and Cyril in the sea support between Claude and Cyril, Claude sort of hinting at like, Hey, uh, you know who I, I know, you know who I am. Let's just like not sort of talk about this, but Cyril genuinely has no idea who Claude is. He has no idea that he's a prince from Almira. And this literally, this actually shakes Claude because he sort of thought that he was known amongst the Almiran people, including like the sort of impoverished young group, which Cyril was a part of. And this sort of shakes him and makes him realize that, oh, I haven't done a good enough job to reach out to people who need to be reached out to. People like Cyril need to be reached out to for help and support. And I failed to do that. Yeah, because Claude has the grand scheme the grand plan of uniting Foldland, but I think in this moment he realizes to unite Foldland, I can't just look at the gigantic picture. I have to look at the smaller pieces that make up the big picture as well. Before we move on to anything else, there are a couple of supports that I want to talk about that were not as good as the rest. One in particular that I'm really disappointed in that wasn't good, that should have been good. All the tools were there to have a really cool support conversation is his conversations with Flane. His supports with Flane are something that should be cool because both of these characters are characters that are hiding big secrets about their past, big secrets about their history that could affect how the entire world views them, how the entire world views what's going to go on with the future of the world and everything 
but all their C, B, A, and A plus support are just them dancing around their lies. And even at the A, they have an A plus support, which ha- has the, the romantic undertones, but even there, they're still sort of dancing around the truth. And it's just really disappointing that even in an A plus support, we're just getting lies to each other. And again, and that's kind of part of the characters, I guess, but it's disappointing because in their supports, they're saying, okay, if you figure out the truth about me, I'll be honest with you. But in the, even when they get to a plus support, they're just dancing around it. And it, I really dislike that support because of it. Something that should have been great, but it wasn't. Especially because Claude figures out who she is and who said it is. Mm-hmm. He, he clearly figures it out, but he doesn't really say it. He just says, like, I figured out Seth is your father, which, gasp, it's a surprise if Seth hadn't told us in one of the paralogues that this would have been a cooler moment, but whatever. Yeah, because this is a time skip only support. The one support that was disappointing for me was Ingrid and Claude. This support is just like a train wreck of two people fighting through their C support. Okay. Cause well, you know, some C support is like, Oh, these guys kind of fight, but then the, then the B, they kind of reach the understanding. And then a, they're like, okay, I kind of get what your deal is, but this one is just, they fight through the C, they fight through the B, they fight through the A, and then they get married on the S support. If you go for it, you or forget, not... they, you forget. They also fight through the A plus. These two have an A plus yeah. support as well. Yes, I didn't mean to say S. There are no S's, uh, except for Byleth. But yeah, they fight all through their supports. And then in the end, they have a paired ending together. And it just sounds like they did nothing but fight all the time, but apparently just really loved each other because they had kids. One thing about this is I don't know if this was something that was directly translated that the American translators, the, the English translators directly did. But they took a phrase which sort of over the last couple of years in America culture, at least, has become sort of kind of offensive-ish uh, when it, Claude tells Ingrid to smile more and sort of telling women to smile more has really become sort of a not nice, th- not good thing to say. It's like a really demeaning sort of I guess mansplaining-ish sort of thing to say to women in in the American culture, like telling a woman to smile more, has sort of really become a a kind of a nasty thing. Not uh, not not nasty, a demeaning thing, a demeaning thing. Because the basically the thing is, they're just saying, "Oh, well, you're just a pretty face. You should smile more." Basically, something like that. Yes, I and I don't know if it was the English writers doing this on purpose, but if they did. It just made Claude really unlikable in that moment, and Ingrid's responses are also unlikable. I, After these conversations, I like Ingrid and Claude less. And much like the plane support, you know, the pieces are there because one of the big things about Ingrid is that she can't escape from her crest. Like, she was born with a crest, so, you know, before her fiancé died, which was Felix's brother, crap, what's his name? Glenn. Glenn. So when Glenn died, you know, she pretty much lost, you know, all the ties to her house. Or I'm sorry, she lost the ties to her future because the house Valdarius is a well-noted noble house and that could have saved her house. So you learn in the time skip by Ingrid joining the Golden Deer, she basically throws all of her throws the rest of her life away 
to fight for this cause. Their support should have been about them not caring about status. And of course, you could also have the whole hidden thing with Claudewell, wait till she learns I'm an Elmire and Prince, you know? Like a few of his other supports have, but the big thing with Ingrid is that much like Claude, status was basically the forefront of her. Oh, well, because you're this crest bearer, because you have this status, you have to get with someone with, with equal status. And she hated that because it meant that she herself could not pursue her dreams of becoming a knight because of her status as a crest bearer. Claude's whole deal is that, hey, I want to get rid of this kind of thing. And they could have had something there that made a really great support in the end. Instead, it's just two people being cat and mouse. It's a cat and mouse in the worst way. It's like cat and mouse in a poorly written sitcom kind of way. We're just like, oh, it's the nagging lady and the sort of dismissive guy. Yeah, very uh, very 80s, 90s. <laughs> the the things that would have made this better is like it, it it almost hints at it, but Ingrid sort of being the one person who sort of sees that Claude is scheming. He's she could be the one who sees that like she could be one of the people who like voices out loud the yeah you're not smiling all the way to your eyes. Do you really? One of her lines is, "Do you really expect empty apologies to help you get your way?" She could be like the one person who could like I can see. Your words, you might mean them, but you have meaning behind them. You are playing chess right now. I can see it, and I don't like it. That should have been what Ingrid and Claude's support was. And it it hints at that, but it just turns into sort of just not even a love-hate relationship, kind of just a hate-hate relationship almost. And the fact that like their ending says – like their ending basically says, there they argue a lot. But they had a bunch of kids, so they must have loved each other, right? You can't have kids and stay together unless you love each other, right? This is not a Bowie and May situation from Fire Emblem Echoes at all. Which I think that's probably what maybe they were trying to go for. Yeah, the, this legit Ingrid Claude might legit be the worst support in this game that I've read. I hate it. One out of five stars. There is one more Blue Lion support that he has, and it's with Annette. And I don't really remember it, honestly. Creepy creep. Oh yeah, about flowers coming out of the ground or something. Yeah, I, I, I that's a solid support. I, the, I'm, I'm gonna be a, a jerk and say the reason I don't like it is I think her songs with Claude are the worst songs she has. I don't think Creepy Creep is a good song. Controversial opinion, maybe. Are you saying she's never gonna make it on the Billboard charts? Not with Creepy Creep. Like her, her songs with Felix are top notch. Annette and Felix is a great support because of her songs. Well, you know what? Everyone puts out a puts out a stinker every now and then. Yeah, creepy to creep is her stinker, but I love the B support where uh, Claude is reading into it as this like, oh, this is some dark meaning to this song. It's a hellish thing, and this is meanings the this coldness means the underworld, and and that's just like, no, it's seeds burning out of the ground. It's it's a cute support. Yeah, just. I don't know. It, it, it falls into like the middle tier for me. If, if we still rate it, I'd say maybe three out of five. It, it's middle tier. In in my first playthrough of the Golden Deer Root, I somehow ended up with Annette and Claude as my uh, ending support for him, even though I barely used Annette. I have no idea how that happened. But eh. Was their ending any good? Uh, it, it's a solid ending. Where, uh, they both moved to Almira, and Claude becomes king there. And they, the two of them open up a school of sorcery, which Annette is the headmistress of, 
and that's that school helps unite Bodlin and Elmira together. I actually kind of like that. It, it's a it's a good ending. I think the ending is better than the, the sports in that case. So we hinted at it just a second ago, but one of my favorite ones is, and of course, it's me. You know who I'm going to say because we're talking about Golden Deer. It's my boy, Lorenz. What I do like about this is that Lorenz basically approaches him talking about, you know, the politics within uh, within the Alliance. And it turns out, you know, Lorenz is pretty hard on Claude, giving him all these, like, different houses and the rulers and, you know, placing troops here means this and this house has this financially and this house has this financially because... And again, it's a little bit more of Lauren's in the beginning where it's just like, okay, well, Lauren's actually knows a lot of things about the Alliance. And I feel like that kind of plays up into the A support. This is absolutely one of my favorite Lauren's support because it in that C support, we see like uh, Claude sort of saying, oh, yes, well, I have the Crest of Regalin. And Lauren's basically pushes out. It's like, I don't care about that. I care about the politics. I don't think you'll be good at the politics of this region. I should be the one in charge. Just a little thing, just like it, that support made me like Lawrence a lot more. But it also kind of plays into like some of the cattiness there is. Like when you first do the mock battle, Lawrence is just like, "Yeah, I'm not really going to listen to you at all and go off and do my own thing." And it, you kind of see that in through the B support that again, like just like you said, you know, where he doesn't really think much of Claude. But we see that in the time skip for the Golden Deer. Like, Lorenz stays with Claude instead of siding with the Empire, like his father and the rest of House Gloucester does. And I believe there are certain lines, if you talk to him, where he kind of is just like, you know, I fought with Claude because I believed in him. Which kind of brings you to, like, their ace support, in which, you know, Claude comes to the realization that, you know, Claude isn't, you know, a fox hunting the deer. He's trying to guide the deer. But Lorenz isn't that. Yeah. I, I love their support, and it touches on so many different things. Like the sea support, it talks about talking about like who should be the one to lead, who has sort of the rightful place to lead. The B support goes really into the politics of of the alliance, and that A support goes into who sh- should lead. Like both of them sort of deciding each of them would be a good leader for the alliance, and even gets into talking about religion and the goddess and. Uh, Lorenz overhears Claude saying a prayer to the land and just a, a little quip about that. It's Lorenz and Claude's support is a good look at both characters. It enhances both characters. That's what a good support should look like. Ingrid. Yeah. And then like, you know, at the very end of it, he's like, you know, I know that you're devoted to your cause and, you know, Lorenz kind of playfully shoots back at him. He's like, you know, depending on your actions, it may, yet see fit to seize your position for my for myself bear that in mind now if you remember lorenz's actual like his paralogue he has no problem eliminating people he tells he says straight up you know what i'm gonna eliminate archer on <laughs> <laughs> but but here he comes off at least a little bit more playful for me because claude tells him you know hey i i welcome that idea it means i can feel safe vanishing when i see fit and then lorenz is like you know vanishing don't tell me you tend to die in this conflict you can't shape the future if you don't see to live it and boom right there you know you see that lorenz really cares for claude and claude obviously cares for lorenz because they have a mutual respect by the end of the support and you know me you know me i'm always i'm always gassing lorenz up but i mean i literally feel this is probably one of his best supports i think i would definitely i haven't 
reviewed all of Lorenzo's support, but I feel confident saying this is probably Lorenzo's best. Like he looks he he looks good in all three supports. I can't say that for most of his. There is one more support that I think we need to talk about when it comes to Claude, and it's probably the one support where he actually tells us with his own mouth some of his story. Something that we don't really get about because he freaking hides everything behind a smile and, and shadows and everything. And that and it's one of my favorite supports in this game. His support with Marianne, specifically his A support. Once upon a time, in a faraway place, there was a young boy. This boy came from a despised lineage. In short, his mother was a daughter of the enemy. So the young boy was treated horribly by everyone around him. He hadn't done anything wrong. Everyone hated him simply for existing. Yelling, fighting back, explaining himself, nothing he did could change his situation. When he was finally old enough, he ran far away from home. He escaped. It sounds to me like he had no choice. I would have done the same had it been me. Thing is, after he ran away, he still found himself in the very same position. People in the outside world hated him for where he came from. Well, now that's... The boy thought he had no place to go. All he could do was destroy the boundary between the inside and the outside worlds. Destroy the boundaries? Right. If there was no outside and inside, just one side to share, then the people outside wouldn't have a reason to hate him anymore, right? It wouldn't be easy, but if he managed it, he could shrug off that burden. So, as you just heard, uh... I felt like, you know, that would be better just to play and not actually read out. I don't think we could really do that justice, but you really see, like, the burden that Claude has had to hold his entire life and compares that with Marianne's. Even though, like, he might know what her burden is because in the Beast of War, he kind of real strongly hints at that he knows it by by somehow finding out. In the Sea Support, he has no idea what's going on with Marianne. Beast Support, he's dropping lines like, Ah, oh, but if it's something silly like my ancestors were cursed, therefore I'm cursed. Uh, he... Yeah. So Claude does his research. He has some sort of back channel to somehow figure out everything. Wish we kind of knew more about that, but whatever. He does spend his time in the library. In the A sport with Marianne, he feels comfortable enough just to completely open himself up that we never see him open up like this to any other character about himself his own personal story after reading this it's like okay claude marianne is now uh one of my head canons that's a canon i i it's nice seeing honesty from this character who we never really see honesty from and even when he's being honest he's like i will tell you a story of a little boy it's just like he's not saying i'm going to tell you my story even when he's telling the truth he's wrapping up in a little bit of a lie yeah a paper thin lie but a lie because that's who this character is. Don't know if it's like a, I don't want to be vulnerable to people, or I don't want to reveal all my pieces because I can't risk these chess pieces using being used against me in the big game of Foldland chess I'm playing, but that's part of who Claude is, and it's nice to see him let down that curtain, kind of, for once. So we've, we've talked about Claude in part one, and we've talked about, you know, almost all the supports. I think we may have forgotten poor Leone. <laughs> Leone is another solid support. Lysinthia is a solid support. Raphael's is not a great support, but just like he's got good supports. We touched upon the important ones, though. The ones that really stood out. The, the Shamir support's not a good support, I don't think. 
what is what is Claude's role in part two? Because, you know, Demetri and Edelgard are basically at each other's throats. Claude finds Teach, and all of a sudden, he starts the scheming. He unites everyone. He gets everyone that he can to come back to the monastery and unites, not under the flag of the Alliance, under the sign of the Crest of Flames. A fire emblem, if you will. No. <laughs> yes, he, he doesn't want to lead this army as of the Alliance or with Almira. He wants to unite Alliance and some Almiran forces under the flag of the, not, not the church flag, but the crest of flames. He wants Byleth to be at the face because I guess he believes that if Byleth is the face of this entire revolution, then it's a lot more likely to work. He thinks that Byleth is someone that people will, will get behind. It's like, it's a religious sort of figure without being the church because the church has its own issues, which Claude has been researching in the library. He knows, he knows his truths about uh, where some of the weapons come from. He knows about the immaculate one. Yes. Claude knows a lot of things. And, but he, and because he knows all these things, he knows all these things, but he's not quite able to succeed. He's not able to succeed in the other routes. He needs Byleth. He needs Byleth as the face of this army to succeed. And that's what happens in Verdant Wind. Like the like a couple of the other paths, you know, our road leads us to Enbar, where we uh, kill Edelgard. Then we also defeat um, those who slither in the dark. Oh yeah, and I guess we defeated Dimitri at the battle at the Eagle and Lion, because we need, we need to have that cutscene. Oh yeah, I forgot about him and that. I... What what happens to Dimitri in that route? Is that where he dies again? Yeah, just sort of like says like yeah he died yeah he died. The hmm. one of the one of the flaws of this game is they really force that battle of the eagle and the lion and it doesn't really have reason to be. Yeah, that and the path to Enbar. Yeah, but thanks to Claude's research and a little bit of help from Hubert's research, we're able to get all the information together. We learn about those who slither in the dark. And this is the one route where we sort of tie up a lot of those loose ends because Crimson Flower doesn't touch on them. Azure Moon doesn't touch on them. Church kind of touches on them, but it still has the big question of uh, what's going on in that casket thing over there. The mystery of that casket thing is sort of revealed in Verdant Wind and it's, it's Nemesis out of nowhere. But OK, big bad. Let's fight you. I'm okay with that, honestly, personally. There, there's Nemesis and the Ten Elites. One of those elites is, uh, and this surprised me, he is a he's a white guy, but his name is Regan. So that probably means Claude's mother was either white or the King of Elmira was white. Oh, oh, it was it, it it was definitely Claude's mother. Like Claude's mother was Claude's mother was pretty much white. I think I think that's all but confirmed because like. The Almiran people sort of have like a like a Middle Eastern sort of vibe to them. His father was Almiran, his mother was Fodlin slash European, however we're viewing these worlds. So like yeah, yes, that was his mother's ancestor. Ancestor. That's the one. Yeah, Thank you. That that totally surprised me. I was like, whoa, Claude's biracial. He's like me. Like for this is probably the first time I ever seen a character and I was just like, Holy crap, I relate to this character on more than one level that that's a big part of his character like that's a big part of that conversation with marianne that's that's basically him talking about growing up biracial 
I can relate to that like 100%. He fights Nemesis along with Byleth and they tag team him. And there's a monologue. It's, I don't know if it's there, but at some point there's a monologue about friendship and that's how we win. I hate that. I'm, I'm okay with that cheese. Oh my I God. Like that. <laughs> Together we will climb the walls and blah, blah, blah. That's how we win. I was like, oh my God, did we need, did we need another stupid Bonds thing? I've been listening to Bonds and crap since Awakening. The power Please. of friendship. I don't need Bonds. But I'll tell you what we do need though. We need confidants, and that way we can build our social links together, and then we can... Oh, wait. I'm, I'm, I'm mixing up universes again. It's all blurring together. Well, if you want to think about it, you know, Persona 5, Black Eagles, Persona 3, Blue Lions, Persona 4, Golden Deer. I mean, isn't it obvious? Dear God. He's figured out. He's broken the link. <laughs> now, the only way this game could be better, if we could get into Nemesis' mind palace... I don't think that Claude's journey uh, or his final battle with the Ten Elites and Nemesis is really that good. Basically, they kind of just, they do that weird thing that Fire Emblem's been doing recently where it's just like, and then the enemy shows up out of nowhere in the end. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to sell you on this. Okay. Crimson Flower fights against the Church, fights against Greya. Azure Moon fights against Edelgard and the Empire, fight, uh, fighting against the past in Verdant Wind. We're taking fighting against the past to a whole new level. Claude is trying to break down all the barriers, trying to break down, like, take, taking out all of the worst things the church did, all the worst things that all the politicians, all the worst things the dragons did back in the day. His ultimate bad guy is the past. And what better way to fight the past is than to fight Nemesis? That that That's my weak argument. I just, I don't like Nemesis. <laughs> he's, he's, he's got to fight the past. He's got to kill the past. That's Claude's only sort of bad guy. He's got to fight racism. I don't know how, I don't know. I don't know where I'm... Claude defeats the CEO of racism. <laughs> exactly. Okay, Let, Let's pretend that's what Nemesis is. <laughs> but yeah, so after he defeats, after he defeats Nemesis, you know, that's where he kind of you know, goes off on his own to leave back to Elmira and leave what well, we can presume, at least from the Lorenz support, that he leaves the uh, the alliance in the hands of House of Gloucester. Yes, but like, sort of, he's trying to unite everyone under Byleth. Sort yeah. of using the church as a tool to unite people. To unite all of Folden under one banner. Huh? That's why he needs Byleth. I think Claude is just so strong as a character that in the end, it doesn't kind of matter. It's it's easier for people to connect with Edelgard and Dimitri because their traumas and are so personal and so emotional. Claude, Claude's not emotional. He doesn't let people see his emotions. He doesn't let his emotions rule which way he's going to take his directions. He's he's logic based. It's almost like he's um he's hiding beneath a mask. Oh, but I think that. Uh... I think that will end our conversation for the most part on Claude, but we do have, we have two comments. Please, I'd love to hear what the people think about Claude. I reached out into the Twitter ether and I got two comments. One's a shorter one, one's a longer one from someone who really loves Claude. But anyways, uh, my first one here is from a, a Will, William O and it says, His root is the least, has the least personal motivation and I feel like we never get to see him drop the facade in front of the whole party. I do like how he always seems to know the most out of all in the house leaders and kept me interested in what he would eventually reveal. And I 
that's pretty much what we've been talking about the, the entire time, because he doesn't really, like, ever show his hand to, like, anyone else. Maybe Hilda, because Hilda's always by his side, but a pretty mysterious guy, all in all. That he is. He is a mystery wrapped in an enigma. Now, this is a longer one. I, I reached out to a buddy of mine who uh, is just, like, a total Claude fan, and I asked him, I was like, you know, what's uh, what, what, what kind of thoughts do you have on Claude? And he sent me a super long one to read that one out. He goes, to be honest... Claude, to me, is one of the most likable characters in Fire Emblem. I love his lax, welcoming nature and how he connects with the world around him without being as tragic and sympathetic as the others, while at the same time not being treated as quite the golden child the others are either. Like, he feels the most real and understandable, and the only character that feels that he doesn't need help to becoming complete. Out of all the characters, he is the only one that doesn't need Byleth to become the leader he is. He is the most adaptive and calculating competent and thoughtful and he turns out well in every story route unless you just really want him gone in crimson flower with or without byleth his journey unfolds more or less the same which i find to be telling of how well rooted as a person he is some may find that boring because they prefer characters that change but i don't believe all characters need it i appreciate characters that don't require large amounts of angst and drama to put them on the right path because honestly there aren't many Claude's defining moments aren't big revelations or life turning points. They're showings of the strong person he already was and continues to be. He isn't perfect by any means, but that's why he's my greatest of all time. And that was a very solid comment too. It definitely encapsulates or encapsulates you know everything that Claude is. Yes, one thing about that is that it touched on is like we don't really see Claude at his most emotional. We don't see him go through a tremendous evolution because. Based on some of the sports and some of the things we've seen, like the biggest traumas and the biggest things he went through are things that happened before he came to the the academy, and that's per, I think that's perfectly fine to have characters in a cast this large, even if it's a main character who have had most of their trauma and most of their hardships come before we meet them and we see the person they've developed into. So. As we wrap it up here, uh, got any final thoughts on Claude? Like, how do you think he stacks up as a as a character against, like, you know, the other lords? Not just, you know, uh, Edelgard, Demetri. I'm talking about all the lords in Fire Emblem. Does he really stick out to you, or is he just kind of fall in line with the rest of them? He definitely doesn't fall in line with them. I but I don't think he sticks out the most because, like, as we said, he his traumas aren't in front of us that we don't see him go along every step of the way. I think he's a very interesting Lord. I really like him. He's not, he's going to be one of my favorites when it comes down to it, but he's not the most memorable. His journey is definitely not the most memorable in the world of three houses. We even kind of see that a little bit in a sense when they bring in Yuri for the, for centered shadows, because Yuri is basically, he's claw on paper. He's clawed also because Oh, he's also scheming. He's also the schemer who uses people in his little story. But he does it in a way that is... A little more underhanded than Claude yes. does it. Well, e- even more, like I will say, more overtly overhand- underhanded than Claude does. He doesn't do it as much with a smile that Claude has. Let me put it like this. Currently on YouTube, there is a YouTuber, Gast, or Fargast, or Gas Station, whatever her name he's choosing... And in his, in his randomizer, his randomizer put Yuri over Claude, and it's almost one-to-one the same character. I mean, Yuri, for the most part, is kind of discount Claude. 
Yeah, it, one of the more disappointing parts of Centered Shadows is just like, oh, you're 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 kind of clawed with a slight twist on you, but you're kind of the same. And, uh, that's not for now. That's not for now. Today we're talking about Claude, and I like Claude. There we yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, I, I think he does stick out a lot. Like, you know, we have a lot of lords that look the same, but he looks very different. I mean, obviously, you know, he's the first lord that's not you know, quote, white or European, however you want to see that. Uh, he's also a lord that canonly uses a bow primarily. I mean, you have, like, some lords that can switch to other styles. Like, you know, Lynn can use a bow, but, like, you mostly only see her using the monocotti or the solcotti. Um, His personality is a very lax and laid-back one. He's almost like me. Probably the most I've ever said about any fictional character ever. So, when I look at all the Lords of Fire emblem... Um, he really does stick out for me personally, and I I really like him for that. I'm glad we got to focus an episode around him. Hey there, it's Ordo editing and post. Got two things. First off, the train that was running uh, completely ruined my outro, and number two, I actually forgot to credit the second comment that was given to me by my Twitter pal Steez. With all that said, you can follow us on Twitter at KD Corley, Plan Ordo, and at Emblem Supports. With all that said. Chapter complete.